0: coming to you with another episode of Stories and Songs. Today you're going to hear one set on historic US Highway 11 which runs right out front of the old home place here. Now this highway is not as well known as Route 66 but it still has an amazing history and is just as picturesque as it passes through little towns and beautiful countryside. It was built along an ancient trade path from near the Gulf of Mexico and continues all the way to Rusis Point, New York. And in May of each year, it plays host to US 11 Antique Alley, one of the nation's longest yard sales. Yes, there are ghost stories and other tales about this road. Even one about a civil rights worker who was murdered at a pull-off along the highway not too far from here during the 1960s. But I'll tell you that story later. Right now, here's one on a lighter note. A story set back in the 1920s with a little drama and new love. It's called, The Man of My Dreams. the man of my dreams. Back in the roaring twenties, US 11 was dotted with little towns and communities that are only a memory on the map today. But in most of those places, there were night spots and roadhouses that would have made a church woman cringe. Just a few miles north of the site of the Whistle Stop Cafe of Fanny Flag fame, it's little more than a crossroad which has long since been renamed, absorbed, and forgotten. But in the heyday of the automobile and prohibition, there was a wild little spot that sat between the train tracks and the highway. It was a roadhouse that remained open 24 hours a day where truckers and travelers and locals bellied up to the bar for a cup of strong coffee, a good meal, or a shot of whiskey. Miriam Abney was not. A drinking woman, but the last week of her life had made her think that maybe it was time she should try. Up until then, life had been pretty rosy. That last jaunt with her boyfriend Harvey to Fort Payne for a night out had been fun. She'd had a nice ring on her finger and a promise of marriage to him. He had a good job at the foundry, and life had been pretty good. But lately, She'd been getting the feeling that Harvey might be lying to her about his long work hours and his sleep schedule. Things just didn't feel on the up-and-up. So on Friday evening, when she got off work at the mill, she got all dolled up and borrowed her girlfriend's automobile and drove north toward Fort Payne, passing by his house, where she saw no car. Then she tooled on over toward the steakhouse where they had dined only the weekend before. There in the parking lot sat Harvey's Roadster, or a roadster like Harvey's. She opened the door to the building and stepped into the smoky room and surveyed the customers. There were a few truck drivers at the counter, a couple sitting at a table with two small children and a man reading a newspaper. And she'd almost convinced herself that Harvey wasn't there when she heard his laughter coming from somewhere in the darker area where the booths were. Miriam strode back through the smoky darkness and found him, looking him straight in the eye. You lousy cheat, she cried as the woman sitting across from Harvey ducked, just in time to miss the ashtray that Miriam had flung in their direction. It was quickly followed by the diamond ring she had on her finger. She tugged it off and tossed it his direction. Just as quickly as she had arrived, she turned on her heels to go, and Harvey ran out after her into the parking lot. "'Baby, let me explain,' he pleaded, but she kicked him right in the knee as hard as she could with her high-heeled shoe and got into the car. She spun out of the parking lot, leaving him hopping around on one foot in the dust. She cried all the way home, driving a little too fast and chain-smoking, until she pulled into her friend's driveway and handed her the keys. "'It's over. We're history!' Her friend tried to console her, but it did no good. Miriam slowly turned toward home to her little cottage beside the railroad tracks. But at home she couldn't relax. She paced and cried and cried and paced. She went out onto the porch and could see the colored string of lights on the roadhouse just down the way, and she could hear the laughter from inside. Then, before she knew it, she put her high heels back on and touched up her lipstick. She was walking the short distance across the tracks to the door of the place and stepped inside. It took a minute for her eyes to adjust to the dim lighting, but she soon saw that a space was open at the counter and took a seat beside a man she knew. It was Jake Kilderman from just down the road, and soon they were ordering their dinner and chatting away, and Jake asked her if she'd like something stronger than that cup of coffee, and Miriam paused. She thought for a moment that she'd only had her first beer of her entire life that last date with Harvey, and she didn't know what effect whiskey would have on her, but she heard it was all right, so she said, Why not? And Jake sidled up to the end of the counter. He disappeared behind the back door for a while and returned with another coffee cup. Sip it slow. It's a hundred proof, he said, and returned to his seat beside her. On the other side of the counter sat a railroad man named william on layover from the station there was a railroad house down the tracks a few hundred yards and he always stayed there and he always ate at the diner he didn't know anyone officially here but the waitress and the other engineers and the brakemen from the railroad Yet he recognized most of the locals from his glimpses of them from the engine of the train, and he'd seen Miriam on more than one occasion sitting in the sun on the porch of her cottage. He'd always thought she was pretty. He could see, though, that the whiskey was having an effect on her even as she ate her dinner. She kept flipping at her blonde hair and lighting one cigarette after another until the ashtray was brimming over and Maddie the waitress came to empty it. Miriam was talking loudly and slurring her words now to Jake as she recounted her brush with Harvey. So I walked right up to their booth and I threw an ashtray at them and the ring to that lousy creep, she cried. And the evening wore on and William continued to eat his dinner slowly until he got to the dessert. And somewhere in between, Miriam had her second drink. She almost fell off the bar stool and the waitress cut her off at that point and brought her a regular cup of coffee then Jake suggested that he should walk her home since he had to go but miriam refused to leave she stayed put on the counter stool wobbling side to side drinking strong black coffee for a while and then A roadster pulled into the parking lot, and a man got out as William watched, and the man strode into the door and straight up to Miriam. He spun her around on the stool. "'Baby, we have to talk,' Harvey said. "'I promise I won't ever see that other woman again,' he pleaded. But Miriam was angry and shoved Harvey away from her. "'You get away from me, you lousy man!' she cried." and spun herself back around to the counter, but Maddie, the waitress, pulled Harvey aside and suggested that perhaps he should take her home. So Harvey tried to budge her from the stool. He finally got her to her feet and headed out the door into the summer night. William watched them move off into the darkness along the hedge. He paid his tab and laid a tip on the counter. He strolled out the door behind them at a short distance and called good-bye to the waitress. He could see them now staggering across the tracks toward her little house and just had the feeling that she might become a damsel in distress. He'd been watching her all night and could tell that she wasn't a drinking woman, but just a woman caught up in the throes of a bad situation, and it was obvious most of it had to do with Harvey. At the porch steps, Harvey tried to pick her up and carry her onto the porch, but Miriam would have no part of that. She began to kick and hit him, and William had to admit the girl had some kind of right hook. Then Harvey launched out. That's it. That's why I like Mary Ellen better, he cried, and she struck at him again. Harvey was pulling back his arm to smack her one when William stepped in and grabbed him from behind. Oh, no, you don't. Harvey spun around and shoved William, but he did not budge, and grabbed Harvey by his arm, twisted it around, hoisted him over his shoulder from the porch into the yard, and Harvey was about to get up when William joined him down there on the grass and stood over him. His foot was on Harvey's chest. He looked down at Harvey. Now Harvey, or whatever your name is, you get up, get into your little car, and drive back wherever it is you came from, And don't ever bother this woman again. Harvey jumped up, brushed himself off, and took off running for his car like he'd seen a ghost. He revved up the engine and raced off down the highway. William returned to the porch. Miriam lay on the porch of her little cottage, snoring a bit in her stupor. He carefully picked her up and pushed open the screen door and then the wooden door and turned on a lamp just inside the well-kept parlor. He saw the door to the bedroom and flipped on the light. With one arm, he turned back the covers of her bed. He laid her down oh so gently. He removed her shoes and laid her purse on the bedside table and tucked her in beneath the covers. He stood over her for a moment, gazing at that beautiful face and pushed back some curls from her eyes. Suddenly those eyes opened and gazed up at him. Who are you? She whispered in a startled tone. William smiled down at her. Why, I'm the man of your dreams, he whispered, and you'll see me again soon. And then he kissed her gently on the forehead, and she fell asleep. You'll have one a hell of a hangover tomorrow, he thought, chuckling to himself as he let himself out the door. He left the porch and walked the short distance to the railroad house. Miriam woke from a dream where a beautiful stranger had tucked her into bed and kissed her on the forehead. She sat up with a start in the bright morning sunlight inside her bedroom, with her hair tangled and hanging in her face just as the train passed by and blew the whistle. She put a hand to her pounding head and noticed the terrible taste in her mouth and then became aware that she was wearing the clothes she had had on the night before, right down to her stockings. She saw a scratch on her ring finger and thought, What a strange dream! She slowly climbed out of bed and made for the bathroom. Miriam looked in the mirror and remembered her horrible trip to Fort Payne and Agnes car. She remembered finding Harvey in the diner with that woman. And it slowly came back to her, throwing the ashtray and taking off the ring and flinging it at Harvey, that stupid, stupid Harvey. Her head began to pound. She reached for the aspirin bottle and fought with the lid. I hate you, Harvey, she said with gritted teeth. And all that morning she puzzled over the events of the last evening. The last thing she recalled was Jake warning her not to drink that whiskey too fast. She walked down to the diner and talked to the waitress. Tell me what I did last night, she asked as she climbed onto the bar stool beside the counter. I feel horrible, she said, leaning on her elbow maddie leaned over the counter and laughed you were three sheets to the wind when jake left he tried to walk you home but you wouldn't budge so i just kept pouring black coffee down you until harvey came he's the one who took you home you know maddie told her i caught him with that woman last night in fort Payne. oh he must have followed me back here but i just don't remember i shouldn't drink i never drink "'What the hell was I thinking?' she cried. "'And then I had the strangest dream, Mattie. "'I dreamt that a wonderful stranger swept me off my feet "'and put me to bed with a kiss on my forehead "'and tucked me in and told me everything was going to be all right. "'He had the most dreamy voice and beautiful eyes,' Miriam sighed and added. "'It was so romantic.' Maddie looked into her empty coffee cup. Wow, I didn't know a hundred-proof hooch and black coffee would give you good dreams like that, she laughed. But Miriam said with all seriousness, No, Maddie, it was too real to be a dream. And for a long time, Miriam was left to wonder about that strange dream she'd had the night she broke it off with Harvey, with no memory of him taking her home at all until some months later around the holidays. There was a community dance at the school gymnasium and Miriam helped with the decorations and the baking of cakes and pies and cookies for the occasion. It was a festive occasion, and everyone was dressed in holiday attire and colors of the season, and the band playing for the event was a six-piece out of Huntsville, Alabama, who had come by train for the occasion and treated the revelers to the latest dance tunes. The evening was just about winding down, and the crowd was thinning a little. Miriam and another girl had served almost all of the cider punch from the Big Crystal Punch Bowl and had shed their shoes for stockinged feet when Miriam noticed him standing just inside the door in a blue suit and tie. He held a bouquet of roses and looked around the room as though he were searching for someone. Miriam wondered who the lucky girl could be and almost dropped her plate of nuts and cake. Who is he? Miriam's friend asked her, but Miriam then recognized the face and stood speechless. That's that's the man of my dreams," she whispered and grabbed the other girl's arm, and the other girl giggled in disbelief, watching Miriam move out from behind the table and across the floor to him. William spied her then and moved slowly toward her. She stood looking at him as if she were seeing a ghost. "'Have we met?' she asked as she gazed into those dreamy eyes those oh-so-familiar eyes. Oh, I've seen you a time or two, William replied as he handed her the flowers. These are for you. And she took the bouquet and breathed in their scent and realized she knew that familiar voice. But how could that be? Are you from around here? She asked as the band played a slow version of a Christmas song and they began to dance. "'I work for the railroad. "'I've waved at you a few times when I passed your house,' William told her with a wink. "'Miriam shook her head. "'No, no, we've talked before. "'I just, I feel as though we've met, as though we know each other,' she said, puzzled. "'Well, I can tell you you'll be seeing a lot of me, if if you'd like,' he said, smiling. Miriam agreed, that would suit me just fine. Later that evening, her girlfriend cornered her at the dessert table again. Tell me everything, she pleaded. I told you already, Miriam said, that's the man of my dreams. Though Miriam continued to puzzle over the strange dream that night when she had dumped Harvey, It seemed so long ago, and the wonderful encounter at the holiday dance, the only conclusion she could reach was that she'd finally met Mr. Wright. And so, within a year, Miriam became Mrs. William Buford, and they lived happily ever after in the little vine-covered cottage beside the tracks. And every day when the train passed, he would blow the whistle three times. He told her that meant, I love you. You know, every time I drive by that location on US 11 South, I think about this story when I pass those little vine-covered cottages beside the tracks. I think I have the perfect song to round this episode out. It's called Pale Imitation of You. and songs written and performed by alabama annie chast music publishing 2021 stories and songs is presented to you by chast music bringing you the best in live entertainment for your festivals venues and private events santa cruz california